Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Dave and Kathy Crean in honor of their son, Jack. Jack was charismatic, kind, quick-witted, and sensitive. He had a way of making others laugh and feel included, even in times when he felt left out. Kathy shares we will always remember his quiet demeanor while lighting up any room he walked into, be it strangers, adults, or his peers. Jack started to play the drums at age 10, and a few years later taught himself how to play the piano. He was a collector of drumsticks, Legos, the latest electronics, and money. Jack loved finances and dreamed of working on Wall Street. Jack is the younger brother to his sister Katie. Kathy and Dave were blessed by their son Jack for 18 years until he was traumatically ripped from their hearts. His mom believes he scatters coins and feathers in her path to say he is always around. They miss him very much. Thank you, Dave and Kathy, for sponsoring today's episode in honor of your son, Jack. Hi, today I have a mom with me, or maybe I should say a mom with me, who is part of my team of beta readers who stuck with me for two years as I wrote my newly released book, Reflections of Hope. But before you hear our discussion, let me give her a proper introduction. Real Venning lives on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland, Australia, and had the privilege of being Carrie Lee's mother. She's married to Peter and has one remaining daughter, Tiana. Real currently works as a nanny, but before Carrie Lee went to heaven, she worked as an occupational therapist, spending the last 20 years working with children who had moderate to severe disabilities. She facilitates a support group for bereaved moms, is a volunteer care coordinator, for the local Make-A-Wish group, and is a puppy carer for Seeing Eye Dogs. Real is also writing a memoir about Carrie Lee's life and how she managed to survive without her daughter. In her free time, Real loves to walk on the beach, scrapbook, swim, grow veggies, read, and catch up with family and friends for a cuppa and a chat. I am so glad you get to hear from my friend Real. So let's play the recording of our discussion on the topic, When You Believed God for a Healing. Well, it is pretty common for my guests to be in a different time zone than me, but my guest today is not in just a different time zone. She is in a different day. (laughs) So I am blessed to have Real Benning with me, and she is joining us from the land down under Australia. So Real, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. And I hope my accent is understandable to people who are listening in America. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like, oh, I love keep, love it. Keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> that's how we are over here. <laughs> now, Real, you were on my beta team for my most recent book, Reflections of Hope. And you mm-hmm. did give me some great feedback. And I do believe the book is better because of that. And I do want to say thank you for that. Let's start by having you share your daughter, Carrie Lee, with us. Now, first of all, I know that you went through several miscarriages and Mm. IVF, and so she was like your miracle baby, right? Yes, that's right. Okay, well, tell us about her. So Carrie Lee was 
yeah, just an answer to prayer. And after many years, I'd always wanted a baby. So um, when I lost those first few babies, it was very difficult. So, yeah, she was such a miracle for us. And she was just the loveliest girl. Um, one of my older friends was praying for my baby to have a happy heart, and that really describes who Carolee was. She was just a happy girl always. And um, mm. at just six weeks old, we discovered that she had um, cystic fibrosis, which is a life-shortening genetic condition that um, affects it affects every organ in your body but has most effect on lungs and digestion. So she needed treatment all her life. She had to be in and out of hospital, but she just never let it bother her really and she determined early on to just live her life to the full and that's, that's the description that most people would give you of Kari, happy and just living life to the full. She... She travelled, she danced, she studied, she just did everything she could um, and maybe part of that was because she knew time would be short. That um, She said to me once when we were talking about living with cystic fibrosis and I asked, you know, would you, do you think you would rather have been born without CF, which everyone would assume the answer would be yes. And she mm -hmm. said, I'm not sure because I don't know if I'd be the person I am if I didn't have cystic fibrosis. So. Wow. Yeah, I guess it just motivated her to do what we all should do and make mm. the most of our lives and, and, you know, do the important things, say the important things and just live this wonderful life that we're given. Yeah. Now, what was her life expectancy? Yeah, so when she was born, we were told 30 was her life expectancy. Um, but we, of course, amongst ourselves said, no, that, that won't be the case. You know, you'll live mm -hmm. much longer than that. And mm -hmm. always... We, our whole goal in life was to keep her well enough for long enough until they found a cure. So that was kind of, that just really pushed us to always do all her treatments and everything because we knew one day there'd be yeah. some sort of a cure or better treatment at least that would then prolong life. Um, and that, that has now happened actually, which is, yeah. Oh, wow. Really? It's, it's oh, quite So that's another struggle right there. It is. It is. And she was actually in the trial one of the first trials of the drug that's now adding decades to the lives of people with oh, CF. But wow. unfortunately um, she had to drop out of the trial because she um, got the flu and had to go on antibiotics and that ruled her out of being in that study. So it was so close, so close. Wow. Anyway. That must have been a hard survey for anybody to be able to stay in the way cystic fibrosis affects you. You would think a lot of yes. <laughs> a lot of the people would have had to have dropped out. Now, I know, yeah. Rel, you have talked about, I mentioned at the beginning, you are part of a book, and I don't have it right in, I have it further in my notes. What's the name of the book? Until, until then. Until then. Okay, that's what I was mm. thinking, but I didn't want to get it wrong. So in, in the book, Until Then, in your chapter about Curie Lee, you talked about living with what is called chronic sorrow. Mm. And that it accompanies having a child with severe disabilities or a serious chronic illness. Now, how how did you deal with that? Was that something you were kind of in denial with? Or was that something you kind of came in yeah. and out of? I think I was aware of it. So Kari's attitude really helped, her positive and happy attitude. That did really help. But when I was by myself, mm. um and particularly when she was younger and didn't fully understand, I guess, all the repercussions, it was kind of our, myself and my husband burden to carry, and I guess particularly mine because I did most of the caregiving. So when she was well, you could kind of put it aside and go, oh, look at her, she's well, she's just living a wonderful life. But 
then when she got sick, when she was in hospital or just when something went wrong in her life, it kind of would come crashing down on you that, you know, this mm-hmm. child might only be here for a short time. And, yeah, so it was one of those in and out kind of things, I suppose. But, yeah, there was lots of tears cried in the in the dark of night when I was by myself with um, yeah. just thinking about what might be her future. You know, yeah. it's interesting when you were talking about just watching her, it kind of made you forget that she was even sick because I, I know <laughs> the same thing with Becca. I know when she was young and she had her leg amputated and had gone through the chemo, there were camps for surviving kids and their families who had survived cancer. And yes. we went one time and it was strange because even as a cancer patient, she felt like she didn't belong there because most of those kids were like leukemia survivors. And yes. so they were in remission. They had full use of their bodies. They were running and here she'd had her leg cut off and she couldn't run like them. She couldn't, you know, so it's, it's interesting how there were moments where she was just like another kid. You just, you never mm. didn't even think about the fact she didn't have a leg or, you know, especially when the heart issues started kicking in and you can't forget that. I mean, it's kind of nice to forget that once in a while <laughs> and yeah, just feel like you're a normal, normal family, not dealing with that stuff. Now you, you also talked about how you would like snap your fingers and say that our lives here are only this long. Was that kind of a coping mechanism? Was that something that you really like tried to believe you fully believed you were naive? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> or all of the above? <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. All of the above, I think. So it, yeah, it was definitely a coping mechanism, but I did really believe it. And I do still believe it, but on this side, it's a little different. Our lives here are so short, and I just kept trying to remind myself of that, that yes, hers might be shorter, but that all of our lives are short, and what comes afterwards is, you know, goes on forever and is way more important in some ways. But, um, but yeah, there there was definitely some, I guess, naivety or um, hopeful coping mechanism there, just staring right in the face of the fact that your child is going to leave long, long, long before you want them to, it's it's just too hard sometimes. And so you have to have some kind of mechanism to deal with it, I guess. Yeah. And the hope to hold on to that, Mm. you know, like you said, there was going to be a cure before she got to that point or something that would prolong her life a lot longer than what they expected. And, you know, we were talking before I started recording this, that, with that was kind of how I was with Becca. I really, she had literally lived through so many things she should have died from beginning with her cancer because she was in a ward. She was the only survivor of something like 14 kids that were going through different kinds of cancer treatments while she was up there. So, I mean, she's a survivor. She was a fighter. And then when the heart issues kicked in, she, I mean, she had a stroke, she had septicemia, she had, I mean, just thing after thing after thing that should have taken Mm. her out. And so we're fully expecting God has got something for her, you know, and I'm thinking God's either going to get her to transplant. Now, I know when I think about it now, especially, like you said, being on this side of things, it's like, but that that means someone else had to die for mm. her to get a transplant. And what a horrible thing that is when you're the one wanting the transplant, you know, it's horrible, but isn't it a horrible feeling, you know, because you dealt with that because we'll talk about that in a minute. Carrie ended up with a transplant too, not a heart transplant, but mm. just that whole feeling blindsided because I really felt like God was going to either get her to transplant or he was going to just totally miraculously heal her heart because she had lived through so many things. 
And so to hang, you know, hanging on to that hope that God is God, he's big, he can do this miracle, he's got something, you watch them live this full life, you know what their future, you know, you can see their plans, and it's just really something when you get that blindsided, you know, when you don't get that miracle. Now, there were times... For you, we had, you know, people fasting and praying. You had people praying for Carrie her entire life. You took her to people with healing ministries, you know, pray over her. Becca was prayed over. So did you think, I know you were thinking cure. Were you thinking that was how God was going to heal her? Or were you also thinking, you know, kind of really praying? And well, obviously you're hoping for that miracle. Yes. I mean, that would be my preference, but I didn't mind. However God wanted to do it, you know, through medicine, through the transplant, um, I was happy wherever he wanted to take that. But, yes, I I definitely believe that she'd be healed. And so when I say that, things changed too when she got really sick because she had had six what we call the golden years after high school when she wasn't in hospital for treatment at all for whole six Mm. years. They did used to put her in for what they called tune-ups, which is when they just would pump her full of antibiotics and mm-hmm. do lots of physio, get her in the best state. And that was mostly before she went on an overseas trip, which she did a lot of. But she had those whole six years and, and we thought, okay, this is wonderful. Um, and so the whole need, in a way, for healing took a back seat. Mm. Um, but all of her life it had been, I know God can heal her, but he might not. I did always, that was always part of, you know, my thinking. He might not. But then I would go the click the fingers, but, you know, life is all <laughs> uh-huh. short. But, but, when it but got we'll to, deal with it. It'll be okay. <laughs> exactly. But when it got to the crunch and she actually was dying and it was pretty clear that this was after transplant, that nothing earthly was going to save her, I I did get very caught up in the, have enough faith, she'll be healed. I guess I was desperate and I have a lot of friends who do actually, you know, believe that God will always heal you if you have enough faith. So I have a lot of friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I I haven't been a person that thought that was the case. I felt like God's will sometimes wasn't that you get healed on earth. But I got just swept along in it because I, I needed it to be true. Mm-hmm. And so I fully subscribed to it, and which is why you know, when I couldn't believe it when she did die because right. she, you know, even right on the last day when she and I were talking about it, we're like, and, and we decided that, that she would go home because there was nothing left the doctors could do. And um, even then I said, you know, I'm still fully expecting it, but if we don't get the miracle and I was able to ask her questions like, you know, what she wanted for her funeral and things like that, mm. but I was still in the back of my head I was still, but we're not going to need that. But Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was, it's interesting what you say, too, about um, just never thinking it's going to happen. Um, a neighbour of mine said to me afterwards, oh, well, at least you knew Kari was going to die because she's been sick always, whereas my mm. friend whose daughter died in a skiing accident, it was such a shock for them. And I thought, no, that, I never thought she was going to die. I didn't. Like, you might know it cognitively, right. but if you look at the statistics, she's probably going to die early, but you don't believe it in your heart mm. when it's your child. You can't, I don't think, believe it. Right. Um, And I, you know, I know when Becca had her cancer and we, someone gave us a Kenneth Copeland little pamphlet about having more faith. And basically if we'd have had more faith, she wouldn't have had her leg amputated. And trust me, I had faith because I had what I call a presumptuous faith. 
I, mm. I, I felt like the more people I tell that God's going to heal her, that's showing my faith. And the more he would have to come through and heal her. Yes. You know, like I can strong twist God's arm. You know, that's that was faith to me was just yeah. having a strong enough belief that God was going to do what I said he was going to do. Exactly. And then when it doesn't happen that way, and then what a horrible thing to tell a parent, it's your fault your child died because you didn't have enough yeah. faith. Enough faith or you had unconfessed sin or Kari yes. did mm, or right. um, unforgiveness in her heart or generational curse. There were so oh, many things goodness, yes. all through her life were kind of thrown at us, but particularly at the end. Most people had enough sensitivity not to say it. A few did say it, but I know lots of people mm -hmm. thought it even when they didn't say it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I have an interesting question. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm just curious what you think about, I think about some friends of ours when their daughter took her own life. It was a postpartum issue, depression. Mm -hmm. And in the receiving line for the service, the parents were told, well, God's going to use this for his glory. People are going to get saved. And God, and I, I know sometimes it's important for people to hear the salvation message. You know, anytime we can, but I don't believe that's the purpose for our child's death. No, absolutely not. I don't believe that's how God works at all. I mean, he can bring good out of evil, you know, like Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. But I don't, I don't think God purposes our child's death just so that someone else will be saved. It, it's interesting, um, you know, the whole why question, why, why? did my child have to die? And I've read a couple of things that it makes me think whatever answer there there is, it would never be good enough if I can exactly. be so bold. Mm -hmm. For me, you could say three mm -hmm. million people got saved because Kari died. And, I mean, that would be an amazing miracle. But to me, I just would want Kari back if, you know. I right. Mean, I it's like, God, you can save him any way you want to. It didn't yeah. take the death of my child, you know? And yeah. so it's, I, I guess in some ways, I think sometimes when we don't turn our child's funeral service into a salvation service, we can feel kind of guilty about that. And so yeah. I guess for anyone listening, if you felt like that's what God wanted you to do, then then you did what God asked you to do. But if Definitely. if you didn't feel like, if you felt like you needed to grieve and it was not... <laughs> a big salvation message, you know, the death, that's okay. That's okay. And I've had friends whose the service has been um, a very strong salvation message because they felt that's what their own child would have wanted, mm -hmm. the one who died. But I know afterwards and, and at the service they've occasionally said things like, you know, if one person gets saved, it'll kind of be worth it. But I know that's at the funeral. That's in if the numbness. <laughs> If you ask them a month later, they don't mm. feel the same anymore. And, right. I mean, possibly they might still think it, but that, the feeling is it's right. not the same feeling. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Becca and Carrie both had a major surgery on their birthdays. That's another thing that I think is so funny. Yeah, because Becca got her VAD, a ventricular assist device. It's a pump that ran the left side of her heart to keep her heart going mm. until she could get on the transplant list. And she got that on her 28th birthday. She asked her oh. doctor, it's my birthday. Do we have to have the surgery that day? And he said, eat cake on Monday. <laughs> so yeah. we did. We all went up to the hospital. And the night before, it was hard because we knew it was a very delicate surgery. I mean, opening you up and putting a pump to run your heart. And it was like 10 hours. And But we were there, cake and presents. And so Carrie also had an extremely uh, serious surgery 
on her 25th birthday, right? That's right. What, what was that? So she had the double lung transplant that we'd been hoping to avoid. It was always in the back of our minds that uh, that she might need a double lung transplant because that's kind of the only um, major treatment, I guess, that, that's available when you get to end-stage lung disease. Mm. But we were not, when the doctors started mentioning it to us, we, we were completely blindsided then. We thought, you, have, you, you can't be serious. This is not where we're at, but we were. Mm. Because after double lung transplant, it's not, you don't have the life expectancy that you do after, say, a kidney or heart transplant. So it's, mm. there's only 50% of people are still alive after five years, I think it is. And wow. life expectancy is kind of 10. There are people around and some with cystic fibrosis who are well past their 20-year mark, but it's it's not as common. So mm. we were trying to avoid lung transplant, really, but once it got to the point where nothing else was going to save her, well, we went, okay, let's do it. And, yes, she got the call that the doctors had let her out of hospital so she could go home for her birthday. So she just got home the night, oh. the, yeah, the evening before, and she was so excited about sleeping in her own bed with her fairly new husband who, mm. you know, most of their marriage had been spent with her in hospital. Yes. And before she got to go to bed, she got the phone call saying, get down to the hospital and um, we've got we've got potential lungs for you. So, mm. yes, she spent her birthday from 6 a.m. having a, I think it was six-hour operation in the end. I've, I've lost track. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, as she said, getting her lungs ripped out and, <laughs> and someone else's put in. <laughs> Uh, so now she had a pretty good recovery from that double lung transplant then soon the infection that had destroyed her old lungs made its way into the new lungs right yeah that's right she was it was um you know kind of miraculous but her all the doctors called her the star patient you know she was back jogging and um Mm. dancing back at uni back driving so mm-hmm. sort of two months after the wow. double lung transplant, um, she was doing all those things. She did recover amazingly. And we had gone down to the hospital and she was a photographer and we'd taken down some big canvases that she'd blown up to gift to the doctors and nurses that had looked after her so they could have them in the ward because she mm-hmm. loved to look at the, there was a big pink frangipani in the room she usually ended up in. Yeah, so it was all this, oh, here we go. Thank you so much and, you know, hope I don't see you again. And that was when they found the shadow on her lungs and, yeah, she ended up back in there. Mm. And two months later, yeah, she left for heaven. So, Yeah, but at that point, people weren't just praying for her. They were, like, speaking words like this is from God, the Mm. Lord saying she's not going Mm. to die. She's going to be healed. Yes. (laughs) and Not uh, a lot, thankfully, but a few, yes. Okay, yeah. But the doctor's chance of survival was something, like, 2% or something at that point? Yeah, not when she first went back in, but um, so when it got into new lungs, they tried medication first, that didn't work. So then they actually removed two lobes of her new lungs to Mm. try and cut the infection out. And that was like, that was drastic Mm. last hope kind of surgery. They said to us, you know, we wouldn't be doing this if there was any other option. And so it was after that that it was, you know, she was in a very bad way and that's when people were saying those things so mm-hmm. because otherwise it looked like she definitely was going to die but they're like right no, and it, no. it definitely would take a miracle at that point yes. um yeah. but lack of faith is not <laughs> what 
<laughs> it's like faith doesn't all of a sudden throw in the 98% and make it 100%. <laughs> it just doesn't it's work that way. No, it's interesting, actually, because I um, I went to, an, we were at a different church now, and I went to a Bible study there trying to get to know some people, and there was a lady there who um, the, the topic of Kari came up, and the Bible study mentioned healing, um, or mentioned miracles, it wasn't even healing, and people were talking about it and how, you know, God heals instantly, and just talking about lots of things, and I, I'm afraid I can't always keep my mouth shut when probably it would be <laughs> And so I was new there too, which was anyway. Um, And so I spoke up and said, look, I just have a slightly different perspective on healing. And I Mm -hmm. shared just briefly about Curry. I mean, they already knew that Curry had died, but I shared briefly. And um, one of the other women there who didn't usually attend either and I haven't ever seen her since, but said to me, I think your problem is that you're basing your theology on your life's experiences instead of what the Bible says because she was one of the ones that was very strong on the whole faith healing and mm-hmm. stuff and after that I got challenged and so I actually went home and I wrote out all the episodes of healing in the Bible and looked at is it always faith or are there other things and so there's 16 that I could find where Jesus healed people sometimes they're mentioned in a couple of different gospels but out of those 16 I wrote it down only seven have faith mentioned or even implied mm. out of those 16. so there's actually more where he doesn't talk about faith than he does, and I noticed that in three of the cases at least spit was mentioned, and I thought we don't have a doctrine about spit, and yet it was mentioned, you know, spitting on people's eyes, spitting in people's ears. Interesting. So that was mentioned in the Gospels, but we don't all say, well, you should go spit on someone and they'll right. be healed. So yes. Kind of like, yeah, obviously faith plays a role, but I don't think that it's always. There's plenty of people that got healed by Jesus who clearly didn't have faith. So I think, yeah, I think sometimes we place too much emphasis on that. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and you think of even the great faith healers. Oral Roberts died. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, at some point, why would you want to stay here? I mean, I know we want our kids still here, but there's something so much better on the other side to just fight for the fact that God wants to heal everybody, no matter what, if you have enough faith. That's not in the Bible anywhere. As a matter of fact, it's like, okay, you had already mentioned, God says he promises to take everything evil that is brought our way. And when we give it back to him with our love Mm -hmm. for him, he will turn around for something good. Well, he can't turn around something for good if there isn't something bad. You know, I mean, it's, there are all kinds of scriptures that support. I mean, Jesus himself even said there will be trials, tribulations, sorrow in this world. It's going to happen. And so to think that we can just have some doctrine of enough faith, whatever that Mm. means, you know, how much is enough? Yes. Yes. And Mm -hmm. faith in what? Faith in the fact that they're going to be healed or just faith in God? who's sovereign and knows better than we do, you know, what's the right outcome? And I I love, I mean, I don't love the Garden of Gethsemane, but I love the fact that Jesus prayed, you know, if at all possible, take this cup from me, but yet not your will but mine. Even he didn't get all of his prayers answered the way that he wanted. Yes. Yes. I'm like, yeah, if it's good enough for Jesus to say not your will but mine, then surely we need to be able to say that as well rather than assume that we know what God's will is in every situation. So, which is kind of what, in a way, 
asking for healing and thinking enough faith will do it is presuming that you know what God's will is. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I, I know some people, it's like, well, we know what God's will is. It's to heal. Mm-hmm. His Bible says to heal. Is there sickness in heaven? We're supposed to pull from heaven down here on earth. There's no sickness in heaven. Well, then this mm-hmm. would be heaven, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, really? I, I mean, <laughs> so this this yeah. isn't it. That's right. And I have to say, the thing that turned, so, so when, it first, when Kyrie first died, after me being fully committed to the whole healing thing, I, I struggled with God a lot to start mm-hmm. with. The first couple of months probably I, like my husband Peter was shocked. I'd say, no, I don't want to talk to God, don't want to know it, know mm-hmm. about him or anything, even though I kept reading books written by Christians who'd had a child die. It was always Christians that I read, read mm-hmm. but still I felt like I didn't want to talk to God. But um, mm-hmm. What what made the difference was I read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Yes, I mean it's a big book, but I just devoured that book. I just yes. I read it day and night, and that's what made the difference. Is kind of I've been a Christian since I was a child, but I had a very um, airy fairy, I guess, view of heaven, mm-hmm. and just reading about where Kari is and where we're going to be together, it just changed everything. I thought. You know what? I, I still would. I still would rather have her here. But if that's where she doesn't want to be here now, like she's right. so much better. It's mm-hmm. a cliche to say, "Oh, they're in a better place," but she really, really is um, mm-hmm. in so much of a better place. Right. And and one day I get to see her again. Mm-hmm. If I, I, I seriously don't know how people who don't mm-hmm. have that hope survive child loss. Right. Yeah. But knowing that I'll see her again makes me able to keep going it's not forever yeah Mm -hmm. I know sometimes there's a struggle with you know saying well my child wouldn't want to be back here but Carrie never experienced she got to get married but she never experienced having Mm. children and I and we think that things like that we put such a high value on those things that my child never got to experience marriage they never got to graduate Mm -hmm. they never got to have kids or they never got to do this or and I know we're missing out and that's one of the the griefs that we have to work through and that we get hit with over and over again yes. those realizations of those things that we're missing out on. But I mm-hmm. really don't believe that like Carrie's up there thinking, Oh man, God, if you would just send me back so I could know what it's like to have a child, you know, I just, I don't, I, I, I can't, then, then that's not heaven. If we would rather be here than there, yes. <laughs> I feel like then it's not really heaven. Exactly. So did you have people saying things to you like, well, Carrie did receive her healing. She's healed now. Um, not really. No, I, not that I remember. Okay. I do kind of feel like that myself. Um, right. I think you have to be kept. There's a lot of these things that are true, like she's in a better place. That's true. Mm-hmm. She did receive her healing. That's true. Um, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. That's true. But there's a time to say them and a time to yes, not say them. Exactly. Um, and I and like you and, said, I, I can think that way. And it's yes. even if, you know, you and I talking about this to each other, we can say that to each other, knowing that we've been in that same place. I mean, I can say that as as a as an encouragement from one mom who's lost a child to another mom. You know, well, think about this. She really is in a better place. Mm. So she really, I know it's not how we wanted her healed, but she did receive her healing. That's a whole lot different than those Christian cliches that just get thrown at us. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And at the wrong time, like there's a yes. time. It's different mm-hmm. amongst bereaved parents. But even then, I think we need to be careful yes. when we say things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to back up just a little bit to when Carrie actually passed. You kind mm. of alluded to this, but we haven't really talked about what actually happened. So she was in the hospital and mm. she was going to go home to finish yes. out her last few days at home. And you guys were waiting for the ambulance, the transport to take her. Mm-hmm. And she just went. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not funny, but there were some fun. Kari was a funny girl. I need to say that. Like she was, mm. a, she loved to laugh and mm-hmm. crack jokes and and. In her last few breaths, she cracked two jokes. I mean, she was still car right Uh to the very end, which is I know now is such a blessing. I know so many people don't get to say goodbye to their children and they don't, Mm -hmm. you know, have that finish. But so that it didn't feel like it at the time, but that it really was such a blessing. And she realised before we did that she was going and she actually went around the room and thanked. She couldn't see properly by then. She told me that her eyes had gone all blurry. Um, But she thanked everybody that she thought was in the room um, individually and specifically like for what they'd meant to her briefly because she could barely talk, you know, trying to catch up. She had no breath. But so she thanked everybody and then her best friend from all the way through school was standing at the end of her bed. I was up near the head of her bed and she says that Kari just stopped and stared with her eyes wide open up into the corner of the room. And so Mm. I like to think the angels were coming. Yes. He saw something um, mm. ahead of her, but but yeah, we we so thankful that we got to say goodbye to her. I mean, there's there's pictures in my mind of those last moments that are that haunted me, but mm-hmm. I still do appreciate the fact that we got to say goodbye to her. And mm-hmm. yes, and she yeah. got to crack her jokes and be Kari right to the very <laughs> very last minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I this is another area where. It's very difficult not to compare. Well, at least you got to say goodbye. Um, yes, yes. You know, those kinds of things, because we can, it's like if anything starts with the words at least, even to yes. each other, it just doesn't, don't go there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at least she, at least, at least. And it's, you know, we could yeah. just do that back and forth. Well, at least you got this. Well, at least you had, yes. I mean, it just, it doesn't do any good. Um, exactly. Yeah. Now, this book that you were a contributor called Until Then, Stories of Loss and Hope, I want to read something that you wrote in there. And it says, I choose to believe that God has not left me, but has instead walked close beside me, holding me up and sharing in my sorrow and grief over my separation from Carrie. That is not always based on feelings, is it? Yes, very much so. (laughs) Even as you read it, oh, did I write that? Wow. I do that too. I do that too. Yes. Yeah, we don't always feel that way. No, no. No, especially in those couple of months, I did not feel close at all. But but I'm still convinced he was there. mm -hmm. Um, Yes, yes. And then you gave some really good advice, which is along the same line, and it said, try to stay close to God, even though it might feel like he has abandoned you. Trust his mm. word and his character, not your feelings. That's good advice back to myself, actually. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Real, have you found meaning and purpose in your life again? Now, when did Carrie pass? Because we haven't even talked about that. What was the date? So, it was October 22nd, 2014. Hmm. So, See, we're our girls left out. in October, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, 
okay. So that puts it as I am just so not a math person. How long? Nine you... years. Okay. Yeah, come, it's okay. eight and a half. So coming okay. up to nine. Yeah. Coming up to nine. So how have you been able to find meaning and purpose in your life again? Has a lot of it been yeah. based on ways to honor Carrie? Definitely, definitely. I mean that. Yeah, ways to honor Kari, but also. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I don't know if we were recording then, but I'm also part of the While We're Waiting group, and I, I love the name because I do think that's part of how I choose what I do with my life now. Is while I'm waiting, for however long it is till I get to join her, you know, what am I going to do with my life? So, mm-hmm. it, it. I think her death. Um, what's the right word? There's the right word, but I can't think of it. Sort of honed my thoughts a bit more than, you know, to be more purposeful, I suppose. Yeah. We're all trying to do that, but it just made it even more clear that we have to be very purposeful in how we spend our time because um, mm-hmm. I might have more time than I would have liked without curry here. But, right, right. Um, I still need to use it well. So, so yeah, initially I started off um, being a volunteer for Make-A-Wish because Kari Lee had a Make-A-Wish, so that was close to my heart. Um, I did a couple of fundraising things for cystic fibrosis early on, but probably more as time's gone on, a lot of what I'm doing is supporting other bereaved parents. Mm-hmm. So um, even since I wrote that book, I wrote that chapter in the book, I've just recently started a new thing I've been part of a new thing in Australia, which is um, peer mentoring of um, bereaved parents, so one-on-one mentoring. Mm-hmm. So that's a new thing. I've just done my training and I'm about to start doing that. And then I've, I've um, facilitated a group through while we're waiting for bereaved parents. So, yeah, a lot of what I do is trying to support other people. I think, like, as it says in the Bible, to, that, to comfort others with the comfort that God's given us, I think that's kind of one of the goods that can come out of something so awful yes i think bereaved parents we have a connection we might not want that connection but we Mm, have that connection right exactly other Mm -hmm. people you know don't get it whereas if you're talking to another bereaved parent there's so much that they just get without you having to say it kind of thing yes yes they're just um, an instant connection exactly and so i think helping to support people in those early days where you just feel like you you wish you could die yourself or you think you're going completely crazy and that nothing you're thinking or feeling has been is normal where it actually is in this very right. abnormal situation. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like yeah. that's one of the main areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had Melanie DeSimone on here a yeah. couple of weeks yeah. ago whom you're very familiar with because she was in the book and part of what you do. And, and, yeah. uh, and I love how the way she said it in the range of normal. Yes. I, I love that, being in the range of normal. So, yes. well, well, this has been a really good talk. I just really appreciate some of the things you've shared with us. Thank you for being my guest. And how can listeners connect with you if they want to connect with you in some way? Yes, probably because I'm in Australia, the best way would be email. Okay. So my email is, will you write it afterwards as well, Laura? Or Yes, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so do you want to say it now as well? Yeah, or? go ahead and share it, and then I'll also put it yeah. in the show notes. Okay, so it's P for Peter, V for Victor, E for Elephant, N for Nelly, PVN2000 at yahoo.com. 
Okay. And I will put a link to that in the show notes because Rill and I email each other. (laughs) (laughs) So I have that. Rill, do you have any last thoughts, especially maybe for those who believed in a healing for their child or, you know, it didn't come out the way they wanted, you know, their child was sick with cancer or whatever they prayed and it's almost like God didn't answer. Yes. Yes. I think one of the biggest things is don't blame yourself. Don't think that it was something you did or didn't do that caused or, you know, faith you didn't have that caused God to to choose in this instant not to heal your child the way that you wanted them to, mm-hmm. uh, wanted them to be healed. But I think that's one of the biggest ones. And also we just have to take the long-term view it's not easy because we're still here on earth and our child is not and we miss them and we'll always miss them until we see them again that's that doesn't change i think that's that's the one thing we do um we do grow around the grief and start Mm -hmm. to live and find joy again but we never the missing does not get any less i don't believe but we just have to hold on to the fact that we will see them again and and that's because God's got them. So we want to make sure that we stay close to God because that's where our children are. They're close. They're even closer than us. So, yeah. yes, I love that. So that's all the more reason why we need to stay close to God because our children mm-hmm. are so close to God right now. So that's a great way to end it. Thank you, Real. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Wasn't it good to hear from someone who's so honest about their journey of what the church often calls faith and how deeply that can affect us and our relationship with God when our child dies, especially after we believed for a healing or maybe protection for our child. You may want to listen to it again, even if it's just to hear the awesome Aussie accent that we Americans love to hear so much. But if you listen to it again, you will probably hear something you didn't catch the first time. Before I wrap up this time with Rill, let me just say that the world we live in is full of sin, decay, and destruction because it is Satan's playing field. And yes, we are to pray, and yes, we are to believe God for things, but think about how often we put expectations on God to do miracles. Whenever we take something to God that we have no control over, if he steps in to change the circumstance, it is a miracle. And miracles don't happen very often. That's part of what a miracle is. Real and I both shared how our daughters had miracles in their lives for several years. Why didn't they continue? Why didn't God step in that last time for our girls? I don't know. But that is where faith comes in. After struggling, we both came to the conclusion that no matter what happens in this world, that he is with us, he hurts with us, and he has the final word, which he proved when Jesus rose from the grave, alive and defeating death. I know it may not feel like he defeated death, but the sting of death is completely removed when we join those we love, like our children, in the glory of a perfect world. Faith is not something we do or something we have to strong arm or manipulate God to do for us, but faith is trusting in who God is for us during our time here on earth, no matter what we go through, knowing He has already won and He has made a way to bring us into that victory with Him and with our children because they have already run their race and won their 
crown. I thought today I would just remind you that GPS Hope has a website with a lot of resources, including a free members library with helpful things to download, including some ebooks. You can also place your child on our memory wall, which doesn't cost you anything. We just want to do that to honor your child, give you a way to honor your child. You can find out how to sponsor an In Loving Memory Heart on the Hope Mobile or sponsor a podcast in honor of your child like Dave and Kathy did today for Jack. I've written several books that you can find out more about. We have a place where you can order all kinds of different shirts and different colors that have the saying on them reminding you to have hope, H-O-P-E, to hold on pain eases, which I say at the end of every episode. So just go to gpshope.org and have a look around. I am sure you will find something helpful to you on this unwanted journey that we are on together. Let's go ahead with today's birthday segment. Madeline Youngdahl was born on July 16th and is forever 14. Jack Crean was born on July 16th and is forever 18. Zui Leo Vegart was born on July 16th and is forever eight months old. Jimmy LaPlante was born on July 19th and is forever 39. James Nasursta was born on July 19th and is forever eight. Charlotte Gray Perry was born on July 20th and is forever 26 days old. Logan Bauer was born on July 20th and is forever 20 years old. We celebrate the day these children came into the world and into the lives of these families. We know it will always be a special and an important day and worth celebrating. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Just fill out the needed information, including the pronunciation of your child's name, if it's one that gets mispronounced occasionally, because I do want to say it correctly for you. Just submit that, and we will announce their birthday the week of his or her birthday. And Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week. Thank you again to Dave and Kathy Crean for sponsoring today's podcast episode in honor of your son, Jack. If you would like to sponsor an episode for your child, it is only $50 and you get to choose the week. So go to the website, gpshope.org, and go to the donate tab and you'll find where to be able to do that. I will also put a link directly to the sponsorship information in the show notes. I want to close by reading how Rill ended the chapter of the book until then, which she was a contributor to. Heaven now shapes the way I live in a far more tangible way than ever before. Living without Carrie here is hard, but I can do hard knowing that one day I'll see her again, hold her again, hear her infectious laughter again, and run my fingers through her wild curly hair again. And this time, I'll never have to say goodbye. I like how Real says that living without her daughter is hard, but she can do hard, knowing she will see Carrie again. This is a hope we can all grab hold of and pull close to our hearts 
This is not a permanent separation from our kids. And as we live out our lives here through the hard, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is 